On this edition of the Marcus Wall Show, we're talking sports, fresh and hot off the presses. We're talking with a very special guest about his upcoming new ventures in the workforce. We're talking Cleveland sports, Boston sports, New York sports, college football at its finest, Major League Baseball getting hot and heavy as the playoffs get underway shortly. And of course, high school football and everything that's going on in the low country. This and so much more. And you can bet we're going to be talking food too. All of it on the Marcus Wall Show. And it starts fresh hot off the presses of sports right now. Clear the mechanism. South Carolina high school sports can have 100 games on any given night, and that's 500 officials. Make the right call. Become a high school official. Be the difference maker in your community that your community needs. Visit highschoolofficials.com for more information. Welcome into the Marcus Walsh Show on this Saturday as we are full bore within pigskin action and uh, getting ready for the Major League Baseball playoffs, and a whole lot more. Marcus Walsh here at the Bat Cave. Kevin Libby will join me shortly. We've got a special guest today, my good old buddy Mike Trishita from the island. And uh, Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Marcus. I'm really happy to be here. This is not the first time that Mike and I have gone, uh, gotten together talking sports. Uh, we actually did a basketball game few years ago with WHHI-TV, and uh, great to be back at the mic with you, no pun intended. Um, Want to talk a little bit about your new business that uh, isn't quite so new anymore with uh, Loco Elite Performance. Yes, uh, so I run a personal training uh, company called Low Country Elite Performance. Um, I really focus on aging uh, or maturing adults age 65, or 65 and older. And uh, what I try and do is to increase bone density, increase mobility and flexibility to really reduce the risk of falling uh, in that age group. We also do a little bit of uh, cardiovascular endurance as well. And um, my goal is to give my clients the, the tools they need to succeed and be able to live their life the way that they want to live their life. What got you involved in uh, becoming a physical trainer and, and helping the betterment, certainly, of, of society? You've done a lot of things within the Hilton Head Island Rec and, uh, and beyond for, for quite some time. Yeah, so I've been uh, part of the Hilton Head Island community the last seven or eight years, and um, I was fortunate enough to work uh, with the Island Rec Association, and I've always been involved with health and fitness and sports. And um, I've always, uh, so I've always thought that, you know, health and wellness is a big part of, of everyday life. And in Hilton Head, we have an aging, uh, we have an aging, uh, an aging community. And so when I looked around, I never, I, I, we have these big box gyms, you know, we have Planet Fitness, we have great, wonderful gyms in the area, but we don't have anybody that really specifies in the maturing population. So what I try and do is to help uh, our aging adults age gracefully into retirement, grandparenthood, whatever it may be. And you ended up coming down here because of the island wreck, correct? Uh, correct. You're originally from the Northeast area. 
I grew up in Connecticut and went to the University of Maine, and then I graduated in, in the spring of 2014 and didn't want to move back home with my parents. And I actually got a job down in Sea Pines to start and uh, worked there a few few months and then uh, hopped on with the Island Rec Center. And I just actually left the Island Rec Center this past week. So I'm going full, uh, full bore, 100% into low country elite performance. So uh, really looking forward to this next venture in my career. That's, that's amazing. Uh, Mike and I actually met each other, I think it was around 2015. I was doing as I like to call it, in-stadium play-by-play for the uh, Hilton Head Gators of the Low Country um, Youth Football League, uh, which Fred Lowry and a bunch of other guys certainly worked with. Um, and I actually met Mike through that. I think you came over to probably tear down or clean up or something after one of the quadruple headers of, of football, and that's how, uh, how we met. Fred introduced me to you, and... The, the rest is history for the most part. Yeah, I was helping out with Gator football, and you were, uh, I think, doing public announcing for the game, and right. turned out that we lived in the same neighborhood. So, uh, you know, it was a good, uh, good connection to be made, and we've, I've enjoyed our friendship ever since. Likewise, my friend. Well, let's talk a little bit um, of, of sports, certainly, here to wrap up this first segment. And I know you have posted on Facebook and uh, maybe some other social media about your thoughts on the college football season. I certainly gave some of my thoughts uh, earlier on at the last edition of the show that Kevin and I did. But it's been a few weeks since then. And just overall, a couple of quick takes from you on uh, what's been happening so far in, in college football. Well, the first four weeks of the season are always, uh, you know, they usually open up with a couple big games for the openers, but then it really doesn't start until conference play, which is really this weekend. A couple big games uh, that come to mind for me really is Wake Forest and Clemson today, 12 o'clock start in uh, Winston-Salem, 12 o'clock start. So, you know, I think uh, Clemson's up 14-7 right now. Uh, I don't have the game live on, but... You know, last night I was thinking about it. I, 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 I like Wake Forest to upset Clemson tomorrow or today. Uh, we've watched Clemson every week. Their offense just the last year plus now hasn't been where it, where it uh, had been with Watson and Trevor Lawrence. So I like, uh, I like Wake Forest to upset Clemson at home today. That's, that's a good pick, um, certainly for an upset. My upset of the week, it's a very, very tight one. But I'm, I'm going with the same network, ABC. Their next game out of the triple header is Notre Dame at North Carolina. And I, I like the Irish in that as my upset of the week to go in coming off a big win against Cal. And, and I really think that they'll go in and play really well. You look at Michael Mayer and certainly the running game that Notre Dame has. They're trying to get hot at the right time after a couple of weeks, including the loss to Marshall that really hurt them. Um, Notre Dame losing to Marshall, that is the first time that Marshall had beat a, a team of that caliber since 2003 when they went to Manhattan, Kansas, and took on Kansas State. The Wildcats, always a very strong team under, uh, under the great head coach Bill Snyder that coached at Kansas State for quite some time. What, what are your thoughts about USC 
possibly making some noise as uh, the season continues, possibly getting into the college football playoff? Well, there I like I like USC a lot this year. Uh, I think the ACC is down this year. Um, I think I think uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina, Clemson, NC State are all going to beat up on each other, and I don't think the AC is going to make ACC is going to make the Final Four, which will put the Pac-12 back into play. And obviously, I think the uh, Pac-12 is a little weak, but with all the fanfare of Lincoln Riley coming over, and they got the quarterback, and they got which seemed to be every transfer from Oklahoma. I like USC and the Pac-12 to make noise, and I like them making the the Final Four as a playoff team at the end of the season. I didn't pick them to get to the playoffs. I have them in the Cotton Bowl, I believe it is, against Oklahoma State. Um, but they are looking as good as anybody. That's mine. Um, they're looking as good as anybody in the area of the Pac-12 for sure. And I think if they keep on rolling, and they've got an interesting matchup with Fresno State today, um, USC is going to be really, really tough to look out for. I've got them going to the Rose Bowl and taking on – actually, I, I just mentioned I have them in the uh, Cotton Bowl taking on Oklahoma State. I've got Utah in the Rose Bowl, and I think Utah has a chance to continue to be very good in the Pac-12 as well. Let's move on quickly to the NFL. A couple weeks into the season, your Dallas Cowboys, man, they're uh, they're off to a little bit of a rocky start. Thoughts on uh, on the boys? Well, they're one and one. I wouldn't say so rocky. I mean, we lost our quarterback for four or five weeks, uh, but uh, we went and beat Cincinnati, uh, which is in a you know they were in the Super Bowl last year, so can't take anything away from them. Uh, but I don't think the Cowboys are going to be making the playoffs this year. I like Philadelphia out of that division. I also like uh, I like I like Philadelphia in the NFC. So we'll see what happens. They got 17 games now, which is a lot of games. So it's really tough to put the first couple weeks even into perspective with so many games. I think they added a playoff team last year, the year before. So a lot can happen now in the NFL season. So I don't really like to take the first couple to first couple weeks into you know obviously you have to consider it but there's teams are still forming they got to figure out their you know their identity how they're going to play how they're going to win and there's so many injuries now that key players miss significant time and they the season's longer so they always have time to come back and you know get right for the playoffs so uh I don't like Dallas I don't think Dallas is going to be strong this year I mean I don't I really don't see them in the playoffs I like uh, Philadelphia and the Giants. I think are coming on strong this year too. My Super Bowl prediction was Buffalo over the LA Rams, with Buffalo winning it all, and that would be a first that I can think of. Where the first game of the year is also the last game of the year. Can I get a Super Bowl prediction out of you? Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I like Buffalo as well out of the AFC. Uh, I went with Tampa. With Tom Brady, just for me, it's been 20-plus years. You can't bet against the guy. So, uh, like, they're a little soft in the offensive line, Tampa up front, but that can be fixed over time. Buffalo, I think they got uh, they got one of the best offenses and one of the best defenses. I think an underrated move this year was Von Miller going over from the Rams over to Buffalo. Absolutely. I think a, a pass rusher in December football is really, really important in the NFL. 
And so I think with that, I think St. Uh, not St. Louis, the, the L.A. Rams are going to be taking a step back with Von Miller going across the country to Buffalo. And then OBJ on the outside isn't there for him either this year. So I think the Rams take a step back, and I think Buffalo overtakes them. And I like Tampa out of the AFC. I'll have to get Kevin's uh, Super Bowl prediction again, but I think he had Green Bay and... I want to say maybe Baltimore. I'll I'll have to try to go back and uh, get that from him for sure. Um, tell you what, it's it's been an interesting start to the year. Got some good games going on here in the uh, in the upcoming week, which is underway with Cleveland finally getting a big win after that Jets debacle. Good grief. They end up beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, 28-17 to was the final score on Thursday night. And Cleveland, again, on paper, with the talent that they have on the field and Jacoby Brissett being a fine manager of the game, they look pretty good if they can stay out of their own way, which from time to time, of course, has been an issue. They, uh, they get a big win, though, and now they get 10 days off before they take on Atlanta next week. That'll be a that'll be a barn burner for my dad and I to watch. And uh, so we'll see what happens there. It's going to be really interesting to see how things continue. One other note, I want to go back briefly to college football. I meant to mention this yesterday, and I'll mention it again uh, after this mention on the, uh, the game that we have next week in Hilton Head for the WHHI Game of the Week. Kentucky, if, and, and I know you're a college basketball guy, Mike, if I was to mention Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, and Kansas, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Well, you're just missing UConn, and then you'd say uh, uh, NCAA basketball. That's that's a fair point, and that's what does come to mind. They're, they're for the Blue yeah. Bloods, and you can certainly add UConn into that. What if I was to tell you that coming into today, and oh, by the way, Duke is playing Kansas today, I mentioned North Carolina hosting Notre Dame, and Kentucky is taking on Northern Illinois tonight at home. What if I told you that this is a like a 30-for-30 30 30 thing? What if I told you that those teams coming into today are 3-0 and on the gridiron? I know it. I saw it today on game day, and it was the first time in the history that the top four winningest programs in college basketball, Duke, North Carolina... Kansas, Kansas and Kentucky, and Kentucky are all three and zero. You know, uh, at all at the same time. So that was an interesting fact I saw this morning. And then Indiana uh, football is doing well too. Another they another another almost blue bud in basketball. Again, like I said, the only one missing there is UConn, who's one and three in football, but they're a little ways away after getting blown out by Michigan last weekend. And boy, did they ever losing! I think it was fifty nine to nothing in that matchup. Ouch. Michigan looks awfully good to start the year, and uh, a whole lot more coming up. Can somebody get a little bit of a nudge in the Big 12? Maybe Oklahoma. Iowa State's playing Baylor today. That's going to be an interesting one. It's uh, definitely going to be interesting to see what happens down the line. We're going to be talking more football here a little bit later with Kevin joining us in, talking high school football. Mike, are you a big high school fan here in the Low Country? Uh, I'm not. I really don't know too much about what's going on in the local sports, but happy to learn more. We'll definitely fill you in, especially uh, yours truly, 
as I'm, I'm doing games with Daniel Court for year number two with WHHI-TV and uh, certainly have a lot of baseball to get into as, again, the Major League Baseball season for the regular season is starting to wind down. Looking like we're going to have a couple of teams that, that we're big fans of in the playoffs and uh, a whole lot more as well to continue to talk about as the Marcus Walsh Show continues. We've got segment two. We're going to bring Kevin in and do a three-man weave. That's next here on the Marcus Walsh Show. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in South Carolina. This message presented by the South Carolina High School League and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. The only person that does a countdown as a director better than Kevin Libby is one Jeremy Pope. And and I got to actually there are two people. I got to throw Gandalf aka Larry Jackamon in there as well. Um, thanks for the intro Kev as we welcome you back to the Marcus Wall show here at the Bat Cave segment number 2 and we are talking let's talk a little bit of major league baseball action fellas because We've got a Yankee fan, a Red Sox fan, and a Guardians fan. Three baseball fans walk into a bar. Um, and I tell you what, it's it's an interesting time for really definitely two of the three teams. I definitely know where I want to go in terms of the Guardians and certainly the New York Yankees. But, Kev, I want to get your perspective first on, uh, on what's going on with the Red Sox. And you are wearing your Boston Red Sox uh, shirt again here today thanks for having us and uh welcome aboard man you guys grew up in a place that had a cellar no 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 so you guys didn't have a basement in your house oh yes yes a cellar it's a boston yes. phrase all right so in the summertime when it's hot outside sometimes if your room got too hot and you didn't have central air you know where you could go down to the cellar, the cellar. down the cellar kid so uh this time of year though it gets a little chilly so i just want to say greetings from the cellar <laughs> there you go uh, what are your thoughts going into to next season as it's looking like they're cellar dwellers talking about your Boston Red Sox? I'll give you the perspective of the Boston folks. We all want to pay Xander, the shortstop, Xander Bogats. We just lost Mookie Betts because we didn't want to pay David Price. Uh, it will be fun to see uh, Bloom spend some money. I think we're going to do it somehow, some way. Trevor Story is going to move to shortstop. We're going to lose Xander. Um, I don't know. We'll spend money on somebody, and then we'll hope Chris Sale has an arm. We'll see what happens. What about Devers? Are they going to re-sign Devers? I like Rafi. He's a big bat. He reminds me of Adrian Beltre. But uh, do I want to pay him $30 million a season to play a hot corner? Honestly, I would because I, like I like that clean left-handed bat. But I understand how they might want to pay three guys the same money. I like Devers. I'll, t I'll take him on the Yankees to play the hot corner. <laughs> you guys, all those years, we're going to get Nomad. Right. <laughs> Don't let him be the next Nomad. The Guardians have Jose Ramirez locked and loaded for the next seven years, so we're good at third base. Um, got a lot of young and up-and-coming guys uh, filtering through. To talk about the Guardians real quick because of that, they've had 16 players make their Major League debut, and they are just days away from once again becoming American League Central Division champs. I can't wait until either, hopefully it's either Sunday or uh, rather tomorrow or Monday, 
when I hear Tom Hamilton exclaim, hopefully near the top of his lungs, and Cleveland, you will have an October to remember. It's going to be great. I, I feel that the AL Central Division is uh, very close to being wrapped up. Tom Hamilton's a magician. He walks in, he walks out just like that. What a guy. That's right. Um, Just super, super excited for Cleveland Guardians baseball all season long. He said it. I completely agree. The best thing that the Cleveland Guardians did, there were two of them. They signed Jose Ramirez to the seven-year deal, and they got back a very healthy and ready-to-go Tito Terry Francona. Obviously, we've talked about Terry Francona, Kevin and I, for years, uh, and, and certainly on this show. Mike, got to ask you, being a Yankees guy, where, do, where does Tito rank in terms of managers that, that you've witnessed? Well, I like him. I You know, uh, we have Boone right now, who's a good manager. I think he's averaging about 100 wins a year, but I think Francona's there at the top all those years in Boston, and then Cleveland, they're in the playoffs every single year. So, good manager. So, uh, I don't have anything bad to say about him. Marcus, I need you to ask this kid about the freak show happening in right field right now for these and, Yankees. And I was just going to get to that. How are things going, you feel, first off, with the perspective of the second half for New York? They were in a little bit of tumult there for a while, still with the record well above 500. There looks like they are going to win the East, but it's not completely locked up yet. Thoughts overall on the second half for your New York Yankees? Well, really just a tale of two seasons. I think we started off 60-15 and 15 or something ridiculous like that, and it, it's been just as terrible second half as it was as good a start at the beginning of the year. Really, at the All-Star break, it changed. And if you really think about it, Stanton got hurt at the All-Star break. And without that big bat in the lineup, and then Rizzo was down – and then Torres stopped hitting, and then Donaldson stopped hitting. So a lot of things happened in August, and it was just a terrible August. And it got down to maybe, I think they were playing Tampa Bay, and they were down four in the loss column. And if they won, and if Tampa beat them, they would have been down three in the loss column. They won, they went up five in the loss column, and they've really righted the ship since. DJ's been hurt with his big toe. He's been out. Rizzo's back now, starting to play a little bit. And we called up two guys, uh, Peraza and Cabrera, and they've really kind of not lit a spark, but they've been playing solid baseball. They haven't been killing us. I mean, left field's been an issue all season with Hicks hasn't hit. Benatendi got hurt. So uh, you got, we got, we're playing one of our young guys there. And then I'm still worried about our infield on the left side of the infield. I'm not sure about IKF come playoff time he seems to make big errors and Donaldson great fielder I good I like a good defensive third baseman but I he's been batting cleanup you know for the last month or so and he's starting to hit he had a rough August but uh the Yankees they are starting to play better in September they're starting to get their groove back again they got their hitters back it's not so much it's going to come down to the role players with the Yankees you know you're going to have Riz, uh, Rizzo's going to hit Judge is going to hit Stanton, if you remember last year, had one of the had a great postseason. He kept them. He kept them alive. He was hitting. He was playing ping pong against the Green Monster. Green Monster last year. Yeah, that's right. And but it's going to come down to the role players. We got to figure out left field. 
Is Carpenter going to come back? I don't. I don't think he's going to be in for the division series. If we can get him for the conf, for the uh, the conference series, that'd be great. Uh, is Ben Attendee coming back? Is he going to be our left fielder? If he's back, he's got to play left field every day. It's going to come down to the role players. Like I said, is Hicks going to make the postseason roster? Probably as a fourth outfielder, but he shouldn't be playing. He should not be playing. I know he hit a home run last night. He had two or three RBIs for him, but <clears throat> at this point, he shouldn't be playing. I don't even think. The only reason Donaldson is playing is because he plays a good third base. Um, but I, I think they should put IKF at third and put Cabrera or a Peraz at short and let the young kid play. I know he's uh, the shortstop of the future, and I know IKF is kind of just uh, the stopgap. But now you got you got Cabrera up. Let him play shortstop. Let IKF play third. IKF won a gold glove there, I think, last year with Texas. So a lot of things going on with the Yankees. I had to smile because I've actually been watching, following Aaron Judge and and everything here in South Carolina, and even when I was visiting my brother in New Hampshire, been watching a lot of Michael Kay on Yes, and of course he knows, uh, or you know that he refers to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa as IKF, as I'm sure a lot of people do. So I had to just kind of smile when you said IKF, spoken like a true fan, at the moment the Yankees would host Cleveland if Cleveland can get through, again, at the moment, Tampa Bay in that first series. Cleveland would host Tampa Bay in the wild card series at Progressive Field. So should be very interesting to see what happens there. I got to talk Aaron Judge. The man is a machine as he has hit 60. Did he get to 61 yet? I don't no. think he did. Fox, the game was on Fox the other night, and yeah. he hit one about three feet to the wall, and they panned the camera up like it was going, like it was going to be about a 450-foot bomb. Right. <laughs> and the guy, Verdugo, caught it, I think, at the wall. And that track. ended the game, didn't it? I think so, yeah. Uh, Adam Amin and John Smoltz had the call on Fox. I, I saw that because I was flipping back and forth. Of course, we saw Philadelphia hosting Atlanta. Kenny Albert and A.J. Pierzynski had the call of that one, and then Chris Myers went right to... Aaron Judge is at bat. Aaron Judge, um, tremendous player. My my brother, my uncle, and I did a an activity about a month or so ago where we went from 1920 until 2020 and picked a player to fill every spot on our roster, including a left-handed pitcher oh and God. a right-handed pitcher, over the course of 100 years. And I had Aaron Judge... As my right fielder, you didn't have Babe Ruth as from, your right fielder. I, I did. I did. I did not, actually. Um, but had Aaron Judge in there, and to me, certainly in terms of his ability defensively, but even more so offensively, as we talk about with the with hitting the sixty home runs, and we'll probably get to sixty one before all is said and done here in the regular season. Just a one of a kind athlete. To have in a in the state of New York, yeah, uh, I think obviously he'll be the next captain if he resigns this year, and I think the Yankees will probably pay him forty million dollars. And I, I'm I know the Yankees are worried probably about the length of the contract because he'll be thirty one next year, so that's been a big talking point uh, in the New York sports scene. Um, but I mean, they gave Cole nine years at three hundred twenty four million dollars. I think if you're ownership, you got to understand that you're probably not going to get much out of the last two years. But he's going to sell the jerseys. He's going to be 
like Eli Manning and Derek Jeter were for New York City, and and he's and he's like a light, he's like a lamppost. He's six foot seven, and everybody knows who he is. Anywhere's number ninety nine. Everybody's gonna remember who number ninety nine is. And I want to go back to a little bit about your defense, the the defense that he plays. He probably played half the year in center field when Hicks was on the pine. He had to take over center field. He played. I don't remember one game that he made you know a major mistake. Now he's not gonna dive for the ball. He said it at the beginning of the year. He goes, "I'm not diving for balls." He's six. He's six foot seven, two hundred, and they say he's two eighty, but I think he's a little bit leaner than that. Um, it looked like he lost a little weight this year before the uh, before the season. I think he's probably around two sixty. But um, he's not going to die for balls. But he hosed a guy at second base the other day um, at Yankee Stadium. That was Stadium. a great throw. Right up, played it perfectly off the wall and just hosed it. It didn't even look like he was throwing it. It just right, right to the glove, right on the bag. And so his defense has really been great this year. And he, he was muddling around 290 for most of the year. And then he's been hot the last month. If the Yankees did not have Aaron Judge... They would not be in first place. He for about I three he, in about for about three weeks he was the only player on the team hitting. Torres wasn't hitting. He was Torres was finally starting to hit again. Donaldson wasn't hitting. Literally, and then Stanton was out. Rizzo was out. So and then DJ was hurt. They only had Aaron Judge hitting, and that's why he's batting leadoff now. Because now the team's starting to come around a little bit more. But for about a three week stretch, he was the only offense. I don't know what these managers were even thinking pitching to the guy. You know, when he was the only one hitting. Speaking of hitting, that was a perfect segue. Got to talk Albert Pujols. Hit 699 and 700 last night in in a huge game against the L.A. Dodgers. Albert Pujols, the last, we think, to hit 700 home runs plus. I know I do. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'd have to look at the active numbers. I don't know them off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 10 years in St. Louis, then another almost 10 probably in Anaheim or L.A., and then half a year Dodgers, then back for Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, great player, Hall of Fame. Could he, could he be unanimous in the Hall of Fame? Oh, I think so. I think mean, Albert's the best. I like that ball he hit. That was a good pitch. That was a good breaking ball down, and the guy just turns on the thing. He is still, you know, one of the best – Hitters in the game against left-handed pitching, he could keep playing. I, I think with the shift being banned next year is going to help Pujols as well. Absolutely. Designated hitter. Thanks for the rule change. Designated hitter everywhere. Players like this are still around selling jerseys. Yeah. And you doubted me, Kev. <laughs> oh, I don't like it. I've just come to accept it. There you go. What do you guys Fair think enough. about the shift and not and banning the shift? I don't like it. I don't like it. I like it. Like who's. Why is it a rule you have to play your players in a certain area? And for me, I don't like it. Now you're going to see now okay, think about it. Aaron Judge is leading the league at 316. You're going to go you're going to go back up to seeing people hitting the 330s, 340s again with that. You know, and Pujols will be able to play another couple of year, extra years. It's it's true. Um I I would definitely tend to agree with you on that way, Mike, for sure. Um there, there are definitely a lot of things that are changing and have changed within Major League Baseball. Uh, it's it's a wild, wild time of year. Let me get your World Series prediction, Mike, before we wrap up this uh, this segment. Okay, so I'll go I'll go league by league, and I'll just give a little bit of a breakdown here. Um, I I think the AL will come down to the Astros and the Yankees. Agreed. Uh, it looks like. 
Cleveland and Tampa or Cleveland and uh, Toronto in the wild card matchup. It's going to be tough to come out of the wild card matchup with a three-game set now because you have to pitch your best two pitchers, games one and two, and then you don't have anybody for game one in the division series. So really the uh, Yankees and Houston is in the driver's seat, but I like Houston, unfortunately. I hate to say it because they just have better pitching. They have better pitching than the Yankees. And the Yankees' closer position is kind of still up for debate. I know Chapman. I don't trust Chapman. You know, that guy, even last year I didn't trust him. And then this year went to Clay Holmes, who's dominant the first half. And then he's starting, starting to cool off. Um, you might see Luizica in that role if Holmes starts to struggle a little bit. But also, okay, so I like the Astros in the AL. The NL... That NL East race is hot right now. I think the Mets are going to take that division. And they've been going game for game, the Mets and the Braves. Um, but I like the Mets in that division. So it's gonna for me, it's going to come down to the Mets and the Dodgers. And it's simple for me. I like to break it down this way. The Mets have the best closer in baseball. The Dodgers are still trying to figure out their closer. So it's tough for me to give somebody an edge in the World Series to get to the World Series if they don't have a lockdown closer. So, and also the Mets have an energy this year. You know, with everything, they just, they just got a great energy with Buck, who's also, I think, one of the, he's up there with Terry and all the good managers in baseball. I mean, look what he's done. Just look at his resume with the Orioles, the Diamondbacks, even the Yankees going way back in the 90s. But I like the Mets, and then I like the Dodgers in the NL, but I like the Mets going and beating the Dodgers because of the closer situation. And the Dodgers don't have Bueller this year. They're missing a couple of their horses, if you will. And then so we have Houston and the Mets, but I, I, I'm going to go with the Mets this year because I think it's their year. They got the energy for it, and Lindor's playing well. Alonzo's hitting the ball, 120-plus RBIs, and then Edwin uh, Diaz coming out of the pen in the final frame. And they got, I forgot to mention, they got two of the best three pitchers in baseball with DeGrom and Scherzer. Those two won two. I mean, Oof. filthy. <laughs> Like Just I hate to sick. be, I, yeah. And they've been kind of seemed like they've been saving Degrom for the postseason. He hasn't really been playing. Well, they but, sat him during a perfect game. Yeah, I know it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd I'd hate to be facing Degrom or Scherzer game one, and then the other one game two. So I like the Mets this year. My preseason pick was the L.A. Dodgers and the Chicago White Sox. Boy, oh boy, tough times on the south side of Chicago. Whew. Don't don't have enough sausages and and stuff to eat for uh, for what's going on down there at a guaranteed rate field. So the last show that Kevin and I did, I did a mulligan, and I ended up I think I ended up hanging on with the Dodgers, but I actually went with Houston as well as a slight favorite over your New York Yankees because of some of the issues that you talked about certainly, and I think. Kevin, you stayed I with... I couldn't pick Houston. I couldn't pick the Yankees and the Red Sox. You garbage. stayed with Toronto, right? I sure did. And you stayed with L.A. No, no. You right. No, not. that's right. Your mulligan was in the National League. Give me the Mets. Give me the Mets. Give them the Mets. So there you have it. Astros and Mets for one Mike Trishita. I like the Mets. I've, I've got the Dodgers taking on... The Astros, and I think I ended up saying possibly Houston in the in that with the way things are looking, 
and the Mets and Blue Jays for one Kevin Libby and a shoulder shrug. Can we get a winner out of you, man? Do you want me to? Uh, I'm so, we're so upset that I was picking the Jays. Um, I picked the Jays originally. I'll I'll stick with it. Why not? The, the Mets. Sticking with it. No, but I mean, that that pitching combo of the Mets reminds me of Schilling and Pedro for some old school socks. I think having you know double aces or preferably triple aces, it's a game changer. And you're right. The biggest difference between the Dodgers being a winner and the Dodgers being an ALC, you know, AL sorry NL NLCS loser, is the staff. Well, I got to tell you, if the Blue Jays happen to win the World Series. This would be a great season for it um, because of the fact that Buck Martinez is back with the club calling games after a battle with cancer. That, that would be really cool to see for sure. Um, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of interesting stuff going on in, in the world of baseball. And these, of course, are just our opinions. Who knows what happens the next week and a half of the regular season as we get into the postseason it's going to be fun. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. We're going to be talking more professional sports as well as some high school loco action when we come back for segment three. Talking a little Cleveland, Boston, and New York mayhem in the world of professional sports. And uh, we'll find something to talk about with food. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. The Marcus Welsh Show continues after this time. Stay right there. The music you hear on the Marcus Wall Show is provided courtesy of TBMM Productions, Tyler Brown Multimedia, for all things low country. Dial 843-715-1935. Back to the show. Welcome back into the Marcus Wall Show. Here from the back gate, certainly want to thank Tyler Brown of TBMM Productions for the tunes, Larry Jackamot for the voiceovers, that you get during the commercial breaks. Want to do a quick shout out to my buddy Matt Brubaker, host of Bruin Company, and his co-host for the rest of the college football season, Chris Schechner. Of course, Brew and I used to do games for Ashland University together, and then Chris is the voice of the um, shoot. It it'll come to me. Um, he, uh, the Bonnies, St. Saint Bonaventure. He does uh, football and basketball for St. Bonaventure. Also does some stuff within broadcasting for a, a very high-profile network, being ESPN. And uh, looking forward to talking sports and shop with, with Brew and Shep here again soon. So shout-out to those guys. Want to thank the WHHI crew that I work with every Friday and the folks at Loco Sports. Mike, have you had a chance to get to know Justin Jarrett, uh, Wes Kerr, at all with your business that's uh, been going on in in the South Carolina area? I have not. I'm not familiar with them, unfortunately. If you're looking for a really good podcast to listen to, um, multiple podcasts to listen to outside of this one, uh, Bruin Company is a really good one. Like I mentioned, Matt Brubaker, buddy of mine from college, it's a... Uh, bi-monthly on Fridays that that is cranked out and then Loco Sports they do preview pods and post-game pods of everything going on in the world of high school football here in the low country they also do podcasts with all sorts of different athletes and coaches within the low country they just had Colton Ferries on uh, the other day who's a very good football player for uh, Beaufort they've 
Justin actually, as well, I think has a college basketball podcast that he just started additionally and uh, just does a great job. He used to work with USCB, has done some stuff with the Island Packet, the Beaufort Gazette, I believe, um, originally a Midwestern guy and uh, a guy with great connections. Wes Kerr was a Hilton Head High graduate and has done a lot of stuff with Justin, with Loco Sports and beyond. And there are a lot of roving reporters that are working the high school beat and uh, doing reports on games, previews, and reviews as well. So check out locosports.com for that. And I tell you what, we've had a really, really fun last two weeks, especially with May River. And uh, last night, we saw Battery Creek and Whale Branch, which was a fun game. 19-13 win for Battery Creek, their first win against Whale Branch in the last seven tries. We saw Beaufort play really well, and Beaufort played really well last night in the Broad River game against Bluffton at the Isle of Ladies, as Justin likes to say. Big night for folks north of the Broad. We had Battery Creek, Whale Branch. That was the game I was at. We had Beaufort hosting Bluffton, and then the other game was Beaufort Academy hosting Hilton Head Christian Academy, and Christian Academy gets the victory 43-34. to Got some big games next week, including the Bridge Bowl, and that's where I will be, provided that there's no real lightning in the forecast for uh, those couple of hours from 7 to 9-ish. Lots of rain coming later this week as some tropical storm activity may be hitting the southeast. Hopefully nothing too severe for us here in the South Carolina low country, but it's looking pretty wet upcoming. How does that affect your business, if at all, in terms of the weather? Is, is a lot of what you do with folks primarily indoors? Do you have some outdoor activities that you, uh, that you have going on with folks? So, um, my business, Low Country Elite Performance, is based out of the Hilton Head Island Recreation Center uh, over by the public schools on the north end of Hilton Head Island. We have a beautiful 14,000-square-foot facility where we have an indoor basketball gym. We have the fitness center, an indoor walking track. If you haven't checked out the Island Recreation Center, come over and check it out. There's hundreds of different programs that we have as far as, you know, we have they have fitness. They also have programs for youth and adults. Uh, but Low Country Elite Performance, my company, my personal training company, is based out of there, and we operate out of the beautiful fitness facility that they have at the Island Recreation Center. So, again, that was a long answer. Short answer is no, everything is really done inside unless, you know, specifically asked if, uh, you know, a client asked me if they we can do an outdoor workout. I'm very uh, malleable to do, put together for something out, outdoors. Very nice. And the business, is, as we talked about earlier, it's something that, that you ended up starting up uh, a short time ago. About, about how long ago was it? So I, uh, started, I started the company in 2020, and while I was still employed with the Island Rec Association, and then it's grown and grown and taken small steps, just like any other business does. And I've finally been able to uh, come to a point where I'm fully committed to 100% in, and it's been really flourishing the last year. And again, what we do is really focus on uh, maturing adults ages 65 and up. That's not to say I'm not going to take anybody younger than that either. But if you're looking to add bone density, increase your mobility, your flexibility, maybe work on a little bit of your cardio so you're not feeling as tired, uh, really just helping 
the maturing adult of Hilton Head Island age gracefully into retirement, into grandparenthood, or however, whatever venture there is next in their career. Sounds great. Check out my buddy Mike Trishita for, uh, for that, and I know he's always looking for, for folks to help out. I thought that we might talk a little bit about, initially I was going to talk a little baseball, a little football, a little basketball, all in one segment revolving around the three areas that we're from or close to, being New York, Cleveland, and Boston. But I thought, as Kevin comes back, I thought we would talk about a guy that Kevin and I have talked about quite a bit on this show, and he's still coaching because of the fact that he's coached in New York, in Cleveland, and in the Boston area, more like Foxborough, and that would be one Bill Belichick, who is going through definitely some some interesting times there currently in New England. He's had a heck of a run, a heck of a career. Where does he stand for you guys in the pantheon of, uh, of NFL coaches or just in general football coaches? I mean, for me, he's the bookends of my love of the game of football. Um, when I was, you know, eight years old, we had Drew Bledsoe, and we went on a seven-game winning streak, and we lost to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> and the coach of those Cleveland Browns was one, Bill Belichick. And then at some point he came back after the uh, Pete Carroll affair, and Tom Brady happened. And he is, in the legacy of Chuck Knoll, he's how I understand the game of football. I, I mean, to me, he's an icon. He's, there's no one that will ever be to me what Bill Belichick is in the game of football. And I had forgotten this, but correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. In addition to coaching for the uh, New York Giants as the defensive coordinator, he was head coach of the New York Jets for a day. Yeah, and then uh, the famous story is he wrote it on a handwritten handwritten, uh, napkin to the owner and said, uh, I relinquish or resign as... uh, I think it was HC, HC of, the, of the NYJ <laughs> and handed it. And then the next thing you know, they were, he was over in uh, Foxborough. So. Sean Ellis, ever heard of him? Yeah. You, yeah. Got, you got a draft pick. Yeah. That was a, comp- that was a compens- compensatory pick, I think, with Sean Ellis. I think number 92 for the New York Jets. He was a defensive end, if I remember correctly. And, of course, his time in Cleveland – He ended up having some great years in the 90s, but I tell everybody my first memory of the Cleveland Browns was Art Modell in 1995 saying, I'm moving the team to Baltimore. And then my second memory of the Cleveland Browns was in 99 when they came back, and over 99 and 2000, those first two years that they were back, The Cleveland Browns won a total of three games under Chris Palmer. And obviously, the the Browns have had Butch Davis, um, Terry Robiski, and a bunch of other coaches since then. They're, They're starting to kind of get it on the right track organizationally, it seems. They've had athletes for years, but organizationally, it's been up and down. It's like a roller coaster. They, they're coming off a huge win, as I mentioned earlier, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, speaking of that game, Kirk Herbstreet going from Cleveland to Tennessee for college game day this morning. And now he's currently likely on a plane heading to Columbus 
for the big matchup between Wisconsin and Ohio State tonight. And so, you know, we'll see what happens with, with the Browns the rest of the way this season. I got to say, though, I'm pretty impressed with Jacoby Bursett doing some things for Cleveland. And, of course, in my opinion, the best player that they have on offense is one running back, Nick Chubb. Marcus, who's your all-time favorite Brownie? Boy, that's a, that is an interesting question for sure. In terms Joe, Joe Thomas, you got I know they had some big offensive linemen. They had Joe Thomas, they had uh who else is a longtime offensive lineman? I can't think of his name. And then what about uh Peyton Hillis is up there, it's gotta be. Uh, yeah. Tim Couch. Tim Couch. Uh, what about mind, the old Notre Dame quarterback? I didn't mind Tim Jim Couch. Brown, Jim Brown fan? Jim, Jim, Brown. Jim Brown, of course, tremendous. Deshaun Kaiser. In, in terms of... <laughs> yeah, this gets fun yeah, quickly, that, yeah. That didn't go quite so well. In OBJ. terms, In terms of guys that I've seen... Johnny Manziel. In terms yeah. of my... Oh, gosh. Johnny Manziel. No, he's probably my least favorite Cleveland Brown. In terms of guys that I've seen in my... Yeah, we're talking just guys... Fandom slash supporting of the Browns... There, there have been several. I think I've got to go with a guy that always seemed to deliver. Brady Quinn. In the big moments, I was a big Brady Quinn fan. Notre Dame quarterback. But I got to go. I think with Mister Reliable, like a trusty curveball or even a trusty soft fastball, and I got to go with good guy. Special teamer, field goal kicker, ah. Phil Dawson. Wow, wow! Why the points? Going off on going off on a branch there. I going think out I, on a limb. I think I gotta go with Phil. All right. I mean, he just delivered, delivered, delivered. I will say, if there was a Cleveland Brown from back in the day in the '80s that I wish, and I say this all the time in the NBA with Magic Johnson, because I saw Michael Jordan play. I saw um, a couple other guys play. Certainly I saw Kobe and I saw Shaq and some of the greats of the 90s and beyond. But if I had a chance to see a guy and just be a fan of a player, especially for a Cleveland franchise going back to the 80s, it would have to be Ernest Biner. Oh, uh, yeah. The guy that Ernest back? Biner is, back? I'm just such a fan of that guy and uh, would have loved to have seen him play for sure. Um, but yeah, I got to go of, of guys, you know, reliable, seems like all around good guy. No, I mean, I love Brady Quinn. I saw him play at Notre Dame when he was a freshman against Navy in 2003, November 8th. It was a, it was a bright, sunny, but cold day. My dad and I at Notre Dame stadium. Uh, it's a memory that I will always cherish for sure with, with my dad, uh, DJ Fitzpatrick with the game winning field goal given Notre Dame the win over Navy. So I've, I'm a big fan of Brady Quinn, but I, I got to go with good old PD, Mr. Reliable Phil Dawson. Just just amazing. What about what about your favorite uh, Cleveland Indian slash guardian of all time? Now, this is just people that you've seen, that you watch Correct. play. Correct. And I've always had a couple that are right at the top of, of that list, whether I've seen them in person or I've seen them on television but I got to go with a guy that going back to right-handed hitters like Aaron Judge 
and Albert Pujols, a guy that would mash the ball, especially into the bleachers during the days of the sellouts of the 90s from 95 to 99-ish. You just said it. I got to go with Man Ram. Manny Ramirez, you know, I I used to have T-shirts and whatnot of, of Manny Ramirez. I know you've got some love for Manny, certainly because of his days in Boston, Kev. Nothing like Manny Ramirez, and and I say it, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When he was young and first kind of coming up with Cleveland into the early through semi late nineties, he was a heck of a right fielder. Back when he was a little bit skinnier, he could get around and he could play in right field. One of the best right-handed hitters of, of all time. Oh, without without question. People forget about that. He was always over three hundred hitting. I mean, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I feel like he was always over 300 batting average. So, for for sure, just a a great monster of a hitter for sure. While Mike's looking that up, I have to ask because we had talked about it. He said it's been a while since he's been to a ballpark, but I'm gonna put the pressure on him anyway. Favorite favorite ballpark food, and and you can throw out a couple of things if if your tastes have changed. Over the years, I know mine have, but uh, but favorite ballpark food, fellas. Uh, I haven't been to a ball game, a major league baseball game, in probably ten and it, years. It could be it could be any game, you know, basketball, but, football, but, baseball, etc. But for me, going to the ballpark again, basketball, baseball. If you're going to the arena for basketball, whatever it is, sitting down enjoying the game to me doesn't get better than just i'll spend i'll spend the eight dollars on the hot dog you gotta go to the you gotta go and get a hot dog when you go watch a sporting event you have to to me it's like it's like peanut butter and jelly sporting event and 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 hot dog so that's 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 an easy one for me even though i haven't been to a i've been to a professional sports game in a long time but and i have to ask you specifically since you mentioned hot dog it's got to be a nation's hot dog right (laughs) You're you're from the area. You you certainly are a big Yankee fan. It got to be a New York hot I, dog, I right? I guess so. But you do have to put the ketchup. The ketchup goes rightfully on first before the mustard. Ketchup before the mustard is the key for me. Do you guys remember the before times when you could get a dog and then there was like a whole like buffet style, you know, thing of toppings to give you jalapenos, maybe some cheese, some onions, you know, and it's just you and thirty five your thirty five thousand your best friends just sharing a you know. A spoon. My favorite hot dog is the one where you just load it on there, man. I want, like, all kinds of weird pickled things and some mustard. Let's go ahead and make it so I can't taste any of it. I love it. I I got one for you, Kev. Mm. I'll, uh, I'll mention it in a second, and I may have mentioned it to you in the last show we did, but I got to go with what I usually get at Progressive Field, and it used to be a hot dog. It's now a brat. Mm. Love me some bratwurst. And then I go nachos with double salsa. Typically, folks go half salsa, half nacho cheese. I'm all in on the double salsa with the jalapenos. I could take the heartburn. That's why they created antacids. Um, you know, whether it's you know a Pepsi or a, or a brew as well. Love it. No, nothing like good old fashioned great ballpark food. But the last ball game I was at that I wasn't working uh, was the Cleveland Guardians hosting the Detroit Tigers back in July, on July 16th. 
It was Jose Ramirez bobblehead day, and Cleveland ended up winning that game 10-0. Cal Quantrill pitched very well for uh, six innings. Excuse me, six innings after the first. He threw 27 pitches in the first. I'm like, geez, how long is he going to go? And then from the second through the sixth, he was perfect, practically. But I had a hot dog. I was looking for a bratwurst vendor, and this was before the game. And I ended up going to a hot dog stand because there was no bratwurst vendor around the ballpark pregame. And I ended up going to this hot dog stand, and I ended up getting what was voted one of the messiest foods in Progressive Field here in the year 2022. It was a hot dog called the Killer Kilbane Dog, and it was just your hot dog with uh, relish. It was alien relish, which just kind of meant it was green and purple, you know, food coloring. And then it had chunky peanut butter and sriracha sauce on it. And the guy that gave me this said, you're going to need a fork, and you're going to need some napkins. Here you go. And it was awesome. I washed it down with a summer shandy from Line and Kugel. I'm Jake. I'm John. We're Line and Kugel, based out of Wisconsin. Great, great company. Um, and that was that was my dinner for that for that game, and, and it was just off the charts good. That might have to go down as one of my favorite hot dogs that I've had at a ball game. But I'm, I'm a huge fan of Nathan's. I've got some back at the good old beach and tennis. Really good stuff. Fan of the ballpark dog. They plump when you cook them, of course. Um, nothing nothing quite like those, uh, those products, whether of the sausage or hot dog variety. Nothing much better than that for a ballpark game. Kind of southern, Marcus. You know how down here people put peanut butter on everything? Yeah. You can put peanut butter on a burger. And I've done it. You're telling me you've got peanut butter on a dog? Yeah. Sacrilege. And and you probably sound like my uncle with that. He's he's mustard on a dog all the way. Um, but yeah, I, I actually, when I was in Columbus, I had a, a hamburger that had peanut butter on it. It was the PB&J burger. Mm. The J wasn't jelly. It was jalapenos. Ah. Peanut butter and jalapeno kind of went with a Thai-type theme. Shout out to, to my buddy Matt Brubaker again back when he lived in Columbus. Uh, rather, actually, back when he lived in Cleveland. Uh, we stopped by the Rocky River Brewing Company. That was a great, great burger that I had. Um, that was before the Denver Bronco Carolina Panthers Super Bowl. I was visiting him, watching that, hanging out. It was a, was a good time. Um, Kevin, real quick, any thoughts, certainly from afar, on what's going on in the world of high school football. It's the good stuff, Marcus. Uh, We learned a bunch of things. Uh, Ridgeland is indeed building a culture. They certainly are. Uh, May River has found a culture. They certainly have. Uh, Coaching makes a big difference early, and coaching makes a bigger difference late. That's, That's right. And like I said, we've seen two very close games in Whale Branch, Battery Creek last night. It will air this week on WHHI. Be sure to check out... The game from top to bottom, Daniel and I and uh, Jessica Surrett and Christopher Sanders, Jessa Jeremiah with all the on-air stuff. Um, and then, you know, last week we saw a great game between Buford and May River, which, again, came down to the wire. That was one of the best games that Buford has played. And in talking with Bryce Librand, he was really pleased about it. He says he's loving coaching this team. And we got some really good comments from Terry Ash as well, Terrence Ash. And uh, 
Looking forward to more high school league and skiza action as the season continues with WHHI Sports. going to be a lot of fun, and before long, you and I are going to be doing basketball together. Hey, time flies, man. It's going to be here like nothing. Uh, Buford beat Bluffton last night. You see that one? 55-23. to 23. Bluffton's going to be hungry. They're going to be ready. Hilton Head's coming off the bye week. It's going to be a sloppy track. I'm expecting a lot of run, run, run from both teams. Going to be a dogfight. Speaking of a team that loves to pass, is Buford High School the best school in the county right now? They just might be. Casey Fields had a day over 300 yards rushing. Five touchdowns. He caught four balls for 14 yards in that 55-23 win. Linder had a day. Simmons had a day for Bluffton. But it was just too much Casey Fields, too much Colton Ferris, and certainly too much Samari uh, Bonds. Samari Bonds getting better and better by the start. Buford, May River, they kind of are looking, and May River got shut out uh, 21-0 to Kane Bay yesterday. Those two teams right now looking like the class of 7-4, uh, rather 7-4A for May River and 8-3A for Buford. And Daniel and I have talked about it. There's a lot of reclassification going on. Um, but we will have a region game coming up, and we will see more region games as the season continues in both Skiza and the SCHSL as well. Um, it's a lot of fun. And uh, get ready for some rain, though, later on in the upcoming week because we're going to see quite a bit of it. There's a deluge of tropical storm activity that could absolutely soak the state of Florida, maybe even get into Georgia. Hopefully it's not anything hurricane-esque, but it could get that way. We'll find out a lot later in the week as far as that goes. But we're going to see a lot of rain over the next couple of weeks, so make sure that you've got your mucklucks and your umbrellas and everything else going. Um, while I'm at it, anything else to add, fellas? I'm just curious, Mike. I know you've been staring at Manny Ramirez's stat line. I'm just curious how he did in terms of strikeouts and walks compared to Aaron Judge. How's the old on-base percentage for Manny compared with uh, the best season ever fit, Mr. Judge? Okay, so I was just looking at some of Manny Ramirez's stats, and they are unbelievable. So starting in 99, he had 44. I mean, really starting in 98, he had 45 home runs, 145 RBIs. 294 batting average, 99, 44 home runs, 165 RBIs, 333 batting average, 442 on base percentage. Unbelievable. Then, in 118 games in 2000, so he must have gotten hurt, 38 home runs, 122 RBIs, 351 batting average. Just unbelievable. Then he went to Boston, 41, 125, 306. 02, 33, 107, 349. 03, 37, 104, 325. 04, 43, 130, 308. So just really monster, monster season. One of my clients used to work out with, uh, she used to go to this gym in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And it was the same training facility that Manny Ramirez used to work out at also. No kidding. Yeah. She yeah. ever work out next to him? She, oh yeah, she'd say nicest guy and really one of the like 
pouring sweat, really, like, really hard worker, really hard worker. So it's really not surprising. That's awesome. Yeah. I had a, a basketball coach that was the pregame show host for the Red Sox. Best coach ever. Big part of how I got into television. But he, I used to ask him, like, who's the highest working player in the Red Sox? Who do you see first, you know, first one there, last one to leave? And he's like, it's Manny Ramirez. Yeah. And this is a time in Boston where it was all Manny's being Manny. He's yeah. such a, you know, he's a, he's a diva. Manny got there early, and no one spent more time in the cage. Incredible stuff. Like I said, my favorite Cleveland Indian of all time. Uh, and, I mean, there are a couple others that are close, but it's got to be Manny. Number 24, batting cleanup, just absolute stud back in those days with Cleveland. That will about do it for this edition of the Marcus Wall Show. Thanks to my buddy Mike Trishita for coming on by and hanging out with us a little bit. Thanks, of course, to Kevin Libby, the host of the Bat Cave, the hostess with the mostest, if you will. For Larry Jackamot, for Tyler Brown of TBMM Productions, that's Tyler Brown Multimedia Productions, Kevin Libby, Mike Trishita, I'm Marcus Walsh. Thanks for joining us as we've gone around the world of sports. Stop on the presses. We'll see you again soon. This has been the Marcus Walsh Show. So long, everybody.